welcome to the Reaction Plus podcast, a brand new Premier League-based podcast where we're going to be taking a deep dive into some of the biggest matches and talking points from the week just gone in the Premier League. My name is Max Goodwin and I'm joined, as will hopefully be always, by Sam Butler. And we're going to be taking a bit of a deep dive into some of the biggest topics and discussion points from the Premier League week gone by. We'll be talking mainly this week about Chelsea's situation with Frank Lampard and their new manager Thomas Tuchel. We're going to be taking a contrarian view on the situation at Newcastle as well. Sam will be arguing for them staying up in the Premier League and I'll be arguing for them being relegated. And then we're just going to take a look at a couple of the fixtures going on in the Premier League in the next week or so. So how are you, Sam? How are you doing this week? I'm not too bad, thank you. I think this podcast is going to absolutely stink of football. Stink of football? It's going to reek. It's going to be quality football, like Mike Bassett, England manager. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully no um, (laughs) Glenn Hoddle stuff going on, but we'll be fine. Um, yeah, no. As yeah, you can hopefully. tell, <laughs> as you can tell, I think mo- both of us are not from Newcastle. Um, so I think this is quite a good sort of um, unbiased view of, you know, going up, staying down, kind of thing. So um, yeah, we, we could it'd be interesting of, to get. We could both fun of them as much as we like, um, <laughs> within reason, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to get a um, a perspective from. Two people who I think, in terms of our footballing opinions, we definitely disagree on a lot of things, but we agree on a lot of things. So it'll be interesting to see how we take our own perspectives going forward into that argument. Absolutely. Um, shall we begin with Frankie Boy, Mr. Frank Lampard? Oh, Frankie Lampard, yes. Uh, so it came out this week that Frank Lampard, following his win in the FA Cup, his team's win, of course, against, I believe it was Luton, progressing to the next round that he'd been relieved of his duties sacked after just 18 months in charge of Chelsea becoming I believe the 14th manager to have been fired by Roman Abramovich during his tenure in charge of the club he was subsequently replaced by Thomas Tuchel in within a couple of days really wasn't it it was pretty widely known that he was going to be the replacement I think when Chelsea sack these these managers they do generally have somebody waiting in the wings to take their place that they have them in yeah, mind. I mean that was, yeah, that was definitely the 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 opinion of fans when Maurizio Sarri left the club and Lampard was put in his place uh, at the beginning of last season. It was very much assumed that he was going to be the man to take charge. Uh, so a little bit of a background on Lampard's managerial side of things. He retired as a player in 2016 after a stint with New York City FC in the MLS. Did a bit of punditry work. Did a bit of work on television as well before being named the Derby County coach and ahead of the 18-19 season. He reached the playoff final in that season and I think widely accepted as quite a successful season, broken the likes of Mason Mount and uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy who's playing at Bournemouth at the moment, this Welsh guy was young. I'll probably cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> and he was subsequently named the Chelsea manager in 2019 and saw a huge overhaul of the young players into the first team. The likes of Mason Mount, Reese James, Fikayo Samori and Tammy Abraham becoming pretty established first team names and he finished fourth in the first season in charge 66 points and got through a decent Champions League group this season heading into 2021 where he was obviously relieved of his duties and what do you think of the job that Lampard did in his time at Chelsea? I think I thought it was very refreshing to see all of these young players in his when he was first took charge um, I think that he carried that through from Derby County with all of these um, young names coming through um, obviously Mason Mount being one of the big ones um yeah it i think it was all it was already going quite swimmingly i thought he was going to take the sort of the jürgen klopp model of um these sort of integrating these young players slowly into the club um sort of almost homegrown talents in a way um but it kind of all went south when they signed the big players didn't it really um timo werner yeah well let's Let's talk about that then, because, of course, the transfer ban during its first season was quite widely talked about, the fact that they only brought in one player, that being the permanent signing of Mateo Kovacic, who had already agreed to come into the club prior to the transfer ban. Mm. And then two hundred, about 250 million quid being spent in the summer. I've just got them up here. So Hakim Ziyech for £36 million, Timo Werner for about £48 million, 
Ben Chilwell for about £45 million, Malone Saar from Nice and Thiago Silva from PSG on freeze, Kai Havertz for about £70 million quid, and Eduard Mendy for about £20 million. Wow. That's a lot of money being spent. It is Let's a lot. not beat around the bush. I'm not sure. <laughs> £70 million for Kai Havertz. He's, he's a good young player, though, isn't he? I he mean, is a good young he's player. shown that he can play. He is a good young player. I don't. I'm not sure where he fits into the Chelsea side at the minute, per se. But yeah. I think they're all kind of finding their feet a little bit in that sense, and that's obviously Thomas's uh, sort of, you know, job effectively. Um, yeah, I, it's a lot of money. I, I think the uh, when he, when he first started, the transfer ban was almost like a. A blessing in disguise for Frank, really, because it really worked out well for him. Like people were praising him of the use of these young players that were really delivering for him at the time, and um, yeah, they strung us together a decent run of results, and you know they got, you know, thereabouts to contending for, you know, they were thereabouts top four, maybe even contending um, for trophies, which is what obviously Roman l- likes to see. Um, yeah. And then obviously the uh, the summer the summer transfers um, the players that they brought in were obviously designed to make them proper contenders for the Premier League really and yeah and I think I think those signings were were good you know I, I think Ben Chilwell's been pretty good so far I think Timo Werner even though he's finishing has been a bit off I think he's actually shown himself to you know in a position that he's not necessarily native to to mm. do a quite a good job. I think the Kai Havertz one's quite a difficult one. The guy had COVID at the beginning of the season, which obviously, for any player, is a huge impact on your fitness, not, gonna, not being not able to train for a prolonged period of time. And I think he's definitely the kind of player who probably benefits from having a squad built around him. So I think that will be the job for Tuchel, is to build a team around him, whether that's him coming off the right, coming through the centre. I think the job for him is finding a, a role in that team for someone like Kai Havertz when... You know, as a you know, he can play up front, but then you've got Timo Werner. He can play out wide, but you've got Pulisic and Ziyech. So where do you play him in the end? And that's I think that's the biggest that's the problem isn't issue it? that Tuchel's going to have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Werner is yeah. an interesting one if you want to talk about him for a moment. Um, sure, sure. I mean, he's he's very he's speedy, he's quick, he's um, in behind people, and I'm not sure that's the way that Tuchel plays. Uh, effectively in PSG. So, so what's your perception? What's your perception of Tuchel as a manager? Um, I think he likes a formation. He likes to attack. You know, a lots of um, moving about tactical play. Um, he plays a lot. From my, I was watching Wolves last night, and I don't know whether this is a fair reflection of one game in charge, but they were playing like in front of Wolves all of the time like consistently throughout the match and there was no one um sort of willing to get behind no one willing to make that run maybe chill one on the occasion but he's done that all season yeah um i just thought just somebody to to break the line a little bit and Werner's not really fit he's 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 one that does that or at least did when he first came and it didn't seem to happen for him and i think that's probably down to uh the way Tuchel plays yeah I mean Werner's so I'll just read off Werner's stats very quickly so he's 19 appearances this season 4 goals 4 assists but if you look at his expected goals I don't know if that's something you know about but expected goals is basically from a shot the likelihood of that going in based on every other shot taking that position in a sort of pool of stats expected goals suggests that you should have more like 7 goals instead of 4 so it's definitely a finishing issue I think the biggest issue is just confidence, building him back into the squad, getting him a role in that team. And he is playing, you know, like I said earlier, in a position he's not necessarily native to. Like, everyone sort of assumed that he was a left winger come striker, but he's, he is a striker that just drifts out to the left. He's not a left winger. And so being played out in that position by uh, Lampard and hopefully not by Tuchel, but that's certainly by the looks of things from the game... Yeah, uh, yesterday did he even get on the pitch like um I mean I don't even think he got in in the end I, I didn't well, I didn't watch all of it it was that boring honestly it was exactly and so like where where does he fit for Tuchel in the team because he didn't start Giroud started up top 
I don't think. So does he start alongside Giroud or? Well, for me, Pulisic plays every single week, but he didn't play him yesterday. I think. Okay, so you, so you think Pulisic should be playing more often? I, I really do. I think he's an excellent player. Um, bags of energy, and I think he's probably yeah. more of a native left winger for Chelsea, like rather than Werner. So what would your sort of front front three be? Assuming that Tuchel's going to go for like a four three three or four two three one, when there's three sort of attacking forward players, who would, what's your lineup for them? Uh if we're going four three three, I reckon um, Pulisic on the left, um, Abraham through the middle, yeah, and um, Ziyech on the right. Okay, and um, so that's. Assuming that they're all fit and ready to go for the next Assuming game. Assuming all they're all fit and ready to go, yeah. Um, I mean, you can trade Kai Havertz probably anywhere. To be honest, he's he's one of those that you can you can play anywhere. He's got, but yeah, that again, you're saying that you, you could build the team around him, and I'm not sure where where he fits really. Yeah, that is that kind of issue because you don't want to play him on the right because you want Ziyech there, or you don't want to play him through the middle because that's where you want Werner or Abraham in the end so where you know yeah where do you where does he play yeah um, has he played in the middle of the park very often I think that's I think certainly last night he was playing um, ahead of a double pivot of Jorginho and Kovacic in like 4-2-3-1 yeah. so he was basically playing in the hole and I think that kind of in the long term is probably where he's going to end up being but being one of them sort of tens who sort of pushes up really tight with the striker and almost makes a front two in transition and in build up play yeah I think so too um, but I, the, my problem with that is I don't know whether he's as good as Jorginho at like seeing a pass sure um, I think he probably I think he's there to compliment Jorginho and I'm not sure that's what I don't think that does have us any justice really because he's a good player okay so let's move on a little bit and just talk about the the dissolving of the relationship between Lampard and and Chelsea Mm. mainly that being the his firing this week so this is all stuff that's come from the back pages and I think the Athletic have reported a few of these things so apparently there wasn't a particularly good relationship between himself and Marina Granovskaya who's basically the person who runs Chelsea on a day-to-day basis when Abramovich yeah. isn't in the country. And he didn't actually get the ch- the targets that he wanted. Apparently, uh, Ben Chilwell was the only signed player that he actually wanted in the club that was his idea. And that he was really quite bullish about Declan Rice coming into the club, which obviously didn't happen. Um, apparently, he was very distant with the squad. And so, uh, originally, it was reported that he'd signed a three-year deal with the club, this being Lampard at Chelsea. And it actually turns out that it was a two-year deal with an option for an extra year, which I don't know what that says to you, but to me that suggests that there was never any long-term ambitions from Chelsea that he was going to be the man to take them forward. He was always going to be a stopgap manager. Certainly that's what it suggests to me. I don't know whether that's something that you would read from that as well. I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think Frank probably knew that going in as well. Um, I didn't think he was there for a long-term plan. I think that's why they brought in so many big players so quickly as well potentially Um, just so that he kind of got them going got them going for somebody with more sort of technical prowess to sort of waiting in the wings to try and take them forward really yeah and that's the thing isn't it I mean Lampard was perceived to be this really progressive coach bringing in young players playing attractive football at times but it did always sort of Mm. feel like when were the wheels going to come off it, it did. Always it did. Chelsea, I mean, it was it? it was going really well. I thought, yeah, it does. Of course, it does. And do we think that that's kind of part of the plan? Almost like you, you sort of you brought Lampard in to train these co- these young players up. Some of them coming from Derby, you know, they've they've got just as like a placeholder almost. Like so, they can then yeah. bring in these big players with, a, you know, a manager with. Again, I say technical prowess in Thomas Tuchel, and and yeah, just kind of take them forward from there. Um, because Lampard's learning on the job still, and uh, I don't think he has. 
I don't think he has the knowledge or indeed the man management skills to to sort that out really for them. Yeah, and it was kind of a case of that lack of experience going from having no players being able to sign one summer because of a transfer ban, so having to you know make do of what you've got with young players, to then having you know two hundred and fifty million pounds thrown in your direction for new signings. Two very different scenarios. How how can you expect a manager as young as Lampard? And I'm not trying to defend him because he definitely dug his own hole at times. But how can you expect him to react so quickly to that situation change? Absolutely. How many managers? How many managers do you know who were in a similar situation to that? Off the top of my head, I can't think of a single one. Exactly. So it's um, kind of uh, it's kind of hard for him, I think, and. You know, again, I'm not trying to defend him because he's definitely well. That's why at times that's why I think himself, it was a but... plan. That's why I think it was a plan, like genuinely, because that yeah, that you've got two different scenarios, and therefore naturally you'd have two different managers that would handle them, you know, with different experience levels to handle both sides of the coin almost. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it'll be interesting to see where he bounces back to, where he goes next, what team takes him on. Hmm, it will actually. Um, I don't. I don't think it would be a bad thing to go down to the championship again. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think uh, you know if someone like Bournemouth or Swansea, you know, came in for him, Forest obviously would be. <laughs> I would, you know, I'd take him happily at Forest. Um, but it's yeah, either that or you know, a stable mid-table Premier League team like a Southampton or yeah, a Wolves, a team who. Are never going to be in any, any trouble of relegation, but who he could maybe take them to that next level. So yeah. I do think he's a talented manager, and he definitely has oh, absolutely to definitely. his abilities. I you joke about Forest, but that's a genuine possibility for me. I think you re- you reckon? I really do. You reckon do. he'll do a clough and go from Derby to Forest? Yeah, bringing in some new young players <laughs> in in Forest, and, yeah, and you know stabilizing the ship a little bit. He's obviously has good rapport with young players. And he knows what it's like at Derby. They're very similar, similar run clubs. Um, yeah, and I mean, we've not. It's not like we've not at Forest got a youth academy that can't produce that level of talent. Like you know, Alex Martin's getting regular minutes. We've got the likes of Brennan Johnson, Jordan Lawrence, Gabriel out on loan. I definitely think there's the ability if he came into someone like Forest to bed in these young players. I'd say wouldn't put past him. Yeah, there we go. So uh, yeah, Lampard is going to join Nottingham Forest uh, right now. <laughs> And yeah, let's uh, let's move a little bit, take a sort of slight shift over to his successor, that being Thomas Tuchel. Mm. So a little bit of background on him. He managed Mainz for a few years, then joined Borussia Dortmund, won a couple of trophies there before joining PSG, spent two seasons there, winning the league in both his seasons there, a domestic quadruple last season and reaching the Champions League final. The first PSG manager to do so. Of course, Sam mentioned earlier about his, his sort of notorious for his tactics and his very intricate 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 that's the word i'm looking for intricate style of management very much detailed uh, and very progressive i think you know he's, he's definitely based on possession and high pressing and intensity for what it's worth a lot of people have said that he's kind of a mold between uh, pep guardiola and jürgen klopp i think that's quite a lazy comparison but read into that what you will so what do you think of him what do you think of tuchel um energetic you know speaks his mind like it um he's obviously very knowledgeable he uh it's very european in style i think um in the sense that you know nice football keep the ball high possession uh, high pressing possession football um you know break teams down that way and it's very traditional i think isn't it in a way that He's, he's been handed these really big players big German players and yeah. been told that yeah this is this is what we want we want we want Chelsea to be a main staple of the Champions League is effectively what they're saying aren't they and do you think he can deliver that it's, it's early to say it's early to say but um we only really got the wolves game to uh to compare it to and I only watched what like I don't know, sixty minutes, and yeah. that was. Uh, it was a boring game, wasn't it? It was. It was. I mean, 
to be fair, Wolves didn't offer up very much either. Um, yeah, I feel like it's quite a bad barometer to judge them against. I mean, in February, Chelsea have got United, Southampton and Spurs, I believe, in the league. Mm. They're definitely games that, in terms of the run-in for the Champions League, are going to be quite important for them, obviously. Very and much so, so. Very much so. Is, did yeah. you say Spurs will be difficult game I don't, I'm not sure I mean Spurs aren't in the greatest of form at the moment um, but it'd be interesting to see though that's sort will. of uh, quite a good blend of styles definitely yeah I think Tuchel is close to Mourinho in the tactical sense I'd imagine and not obviously not obviously in that sort of level but that sort of nice looking football keep possession um you know, keep a lead kind of thing. Sure. I mean, um, so from why my personal opinion, I think Tuchel's a great appointment. And in terms of who's out there, you know, there's not a lot of top managerial talent who would take the reins there. The only play- people I could think of really were Max Allegri, who managed Juventus for several years, won the league title with them several times. Leonardo Jardim, who was the Monaco manager a few years ago, was the guy who uh, famously sort of brought Kylian Mbappe into the first team. And I heard rumours that they were looking at Nagelsmann and Ranić to come in as sort of a double act. They're the manager and sporting director of RB Leipzig in Germany. Mm. Could have been interesting, very high-pressing, offensive football, pretty similar to what Tuchel wants to play, clearly. And I think it's quite good that they've not gone back to to character in the sense of going for notoriously quite defensive coaches likes of Conte and Ranieri who are obviously known for being a bit more pragmatic and defensive and go for someone who's a bit more proactive and progressive in his his play I think Tuchel's definitely someone who fits that mould I agree yeah absolutely I think it's a fantastic little appointment really um it's just a little. It kind of stinks that he was kind of there already in a way. That's all. That they they kind of had their eye on him like from the start almost. Pretty much, yeah. But um, even so. Um. So I think that pretty much wraps things up with Chelsea. To be honest. I think it does. I think it does. Shall we move on to? Or oh, let's have a bit of let's have a bit of Newcastle, shall we? A bit of Newcastle, yeah. So let's just take a second to get our notes up and we'll be back with you with some Newcastle fun and games. So our next section is a bit of a different one. Staying up or going down Newcastle United. We're going to be both taking a side of the argument, whether we think that Newcastle United are staying up this season or whether they're going down. Arguing for them staying up is Sam. Arguing for them going down is me. And Sam, do you want to kick things off? Why do you think they're staying up this season? Oh, I can try. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I think it all depends on their transfer window in January, really. Um, and honestly, there hasn't been a great deal of business discussed. Um, however, so having said that, um, Fraser and St. Maximin are fit for this next week. Um, which is excellent news for Newcastle fans um, because they kind of all pin their hopes on St. Naxman as being this kind of messy figure, really. And I'm not sure that's fair. I mean, because when he's not fit, it shows. It really does. Um, I agree, definitely. Just with the the energy, to be honest, and they couldn't keep up with Leeds um, in that game the other night. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been there's been links... Um, what's his name ah crap is it Williams what's his name Williams yeah Joe Williams yeah the left back yeah he combined really well with St Maximan I think it was last season yeah he was yeah he got uh, he played a few games I think got an ACL injury or something didn't he he missed quite a lot of the season I think they're looking to bring him back on loan aren't they yeah um, that's by no means done by the way um, 
but that would yeah. be a nice a nice signing if they can get that done even on loan to be honest yeah um yeah I, for that re- it's quite difficult with Newcastle because he doesn't he doesn't have the players um Steve Bruce and he's he is trying very hard and it's quite it's quite easy to feel sorry for him and I do to be honest um <laughs> <laughs> Poor Steve. What do you think of him as a manager? Do you rate him? I d- rate's a strong word. Rate is a strong word. But rate is a very strong word. I, I like him. I do like him. I think he's got good ideas. I think his time at Sunderland was good. Um, I felt like they played some nice stuff. Um, but that was a long while ago. This is this is quite difficult trying to. Uh, <laughs> I think you uh, you drew this. the short straw on this one. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I mean, you just got to believe, haven't you? You got to believe they'll stay. I mean, Newcastle's one of those <laughs> where you like you kind of you kind of feel like they will, and but this season I have oh, to they, say they just will, won't they? Yeah. That this season I have to say I don't feel like that. I feel like they're in very big danger unless they turn something around drastically and maybe maybe St Maximin and Fraser being fit might just turn their season around yeah I, I definitely think that um, you make a very good point about the signings that they made I, I quite like their business actually in the summer just sort of a quick run through uh, Jeff Hendrick on a free I think he's a very useful player Ryan Fraser on a free very very useful Premier League player Callum Wilson as well a very Compton Premier League strikers, I think, shown this season to probably be their you know best what, player. Though? Do you know what? I, I don't think he. I'm not sure. I, he hasn't really fired as much as he has done at Bournemouth and what they hoped he would do. I think, but um, that's the kind of the glue that they were hoping for, like somebody up top to sort of loft it to, like a like a big Andy Carroll figure, but sort of more in an, in around the box. Um, Callum Wilson finishing think, little. Yeah, do you not think that would be a good strike partnership then? So. Like you say, Andy Carroll up front, knocking them down for Wilson, who's eight goals and eighteen appearances in the league this season's pretty decent, don't you think? It is. It's actually not not bad, and I can't for the life of me think. Well, actually, I can because they just don't. He's just not taking chances, like <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're, they're just, not creating chances, and the ones they are, they're not taking. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty much what it boils down to. It's just being clinical. Um, I don't want to say in the final third because that's just uh... <laughs> pretty cliche. And then they brought in Jamal Lewis from Norwich for fifteen million quid. Who actually, I quite like him as a left back. I think he's been quite good this season. I think he's. If Newcastle go down, I think there's definitely a deal to be done there for if a top team is looking for a new left back. I think he's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these these there are a lot of big names in Newcastle. If they go down, people are going to be chomping at the bit to sign these people. Yeah, there's like, definitely genuinely. there's definitely uh, selling value. Absolutely. Um, but then who do they have? They can't let them all go. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And they're not exactly spitting out academy products at the moment, are they? No, absolutely. And then we're talking League One, Newcastle United. Can you imagine and the time where Derby a slippery slope? <laughs> that would be a good one. I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, so shall I maybe take up my side of the argument why I think they're going down this season? Go on, lad. It's going to be a bit easier, I imagine. But <laughs> I think it is going to be easier. So, like I said earlier, I, I like their business. I think their business in the summer was really good. Jeff Hendrick, Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson and Jamal Lewis as sort of the four main signings. I really like that. I think that's good business, useful players, and for 35 million quid, if they go down, can flip for probably, you know, at least as much as they paid for them. But, and it's a big but, they are currently... 16th in the table expected points suggests that they should be in 18th in the relegation zone but of course expected points is is a metric that you can't really read too much into because this is saying that Brighton should be 7th in the table and that Tottenham should be 10th so it's not (laughs) it's not something that you can read a huge amount into of course it, it it tells you a lot about how much luck teams have had this season and Newcastle I think after their the, the performance in the first game, winning 3-0 at West Ham, or beating West Ham in the first game of the season, everyone thought it was going to be quite a positive season. And I think after lockdown last season, they had some really good performances. 
but they are I think they're dire personally I think I, I don't personally rate Steve Bruce as a manager I think he's quite lucky to be still in a Premier League job not to plug it but if you look at my Premier League managers tier list I had him right at the bottom I don't think he should be anywhere near the Premier League at this stage of his career I think around them there's so much better quality the likes of Brighton and Fulham even their recruitment is just leap years away from what Newcastle are bringing in at the moment and the talent there's just I think there's just a real talent deficit in that team even with the new signings and even with the decent players that they had the likes of Fabian Scher John Joe Shelby Martin Dubravka and goal I just don't think there's I just don't think the talent deficit makes up for the fact that they are genuinely one of the worst teams in the Premier League at the moment I think so so boring to watch like it's, yeah, it's not that's fun. that's the big thing actually. It's really quite a dire watch watching Newcastle at the minute. I've, I think at times um, I'd rather watch paint dry. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> Newcastle Newcastle are a huge team, and there are plenty of people in my family who are Newcastle fans, and so they'll probably hate me for saying this, but they could almost do a relegation. Just get relegated, purge the squad, get rid of the manager, get someone who has a different school of thinking in there, someone a bit better than Steve Bruce and a change in ownership wouldn't go a long way either or wouldn't be a too bad of an idea I don't think oh that's uh, I mean it was supposed to happen in the summer wasn't it the Saudi princes coming in bringing in Kylian Mbappe it was going to happen it was on the cards and then it was <laughs> it was it just fell through oh dear <laughs> oh dear yeah no I can see that well, who do you reckon should be should uh, be Steve Bruce's replacement then well, I think out there at the moment, there's talent. I think it's, it's about how much drawing power you think Newcastle have. Realistically, it's not huge because of the situation of the club at the moment. But this is a huge team with a huge history in a big city, a nice city as well. And I think out there, Julian Stefan from Rennes would be a good shout. I think in terms of free agents at the moment, I think someone like Leonardo Jardim who is known for being quite good defensively as a coach, would come in and do a job. I certainly don't think they're looking at the likes of, like, Poch or Allegri or Pep. Obviously, they're not looking at managers of that calibre. But I think there's definitely managerial talent out there to to bring in. Kike Setien, who was the Barcelona manager last season, he plays good football, is is a bit pragmatic, so I think he could work. Do you know who has an outside chance for me? Who? Tim Tim Sherwood. This stinks of Tim Sherwood coming in and getting relegated with them. It does, doesn't it? Tim Sherwood or Alan Partridge coming back. It does. It <laughs> absolutely reeks reeks of Tim Sherwood oh, and Alan Partridge. Honestly, I'm genuinely surprised but they didn't I, bring uh, Allardyce in whilst he was a free agent. Honestly, I poor kid, West Brom. I mean, God. Oh, I don't. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's just, I so. Let's maybe caveat this. So, who who are your bottom three? Go. Who do you think are the three going down for you this season? Uh, Sheffield United, West Brom, and <laughs> Newcastle. You think they're actually <laughs> going to go down at the end? This has gone great. I mine is exactly <laughs> the same. I think Sheffield United, although they picked up a win against Man United last night, are going down. Um, which is certainly no disrespect to them because I think they've actually been a very fun team to have in the Premier League. West Brom was stupid to get rid of Bilic, even more stupid to bring in Allardyce, and will probably go down as well. And I will, sure, I'm, I will rue that mistake when they eventually stay up. And yeah, Newcastle for me <laughs> will stay, it will go down as well. I I have very little hope for them staying up this season. It's, uh, they're in the yeah, I, wrong time of the season, Fulham? I think. Yeah, I I think it'll be a fight with scrap between Newcastle and Fulham to stay up. Yeah, I think Brighton will probably be safe because I think they are better than their performances. Yeah, their performances are better than their points suggest. And of late, Burnley's run fabulous. They'll stay up. Yeah, you wanted to touch me. a bit on Burnley, so I think a I, I think here's a good time to end the Newcastle segment. If you're listening to the podcast, let us know on social media. Do you think Newcastle are staying up or going down? And let's move into a bit of a preview stroke review of the games in the Premier League in recent weeks. And a little chat about Burnley as well. 
and we'll be back in a sec. Okay, so let's take a tangent into our final section where we're going to be talking about a few of the games from the week just gone and coming up at the weekend. And you wanted to start off with Burnley and their 3-2 win against Villa, didn't you? I do, yes. Um, I thought it was an excellent, excellent performance. Um, I think Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky are possibly the best centre-back pair in the league. That is spicy. That is such that a spicy, is spicy take. Better than Stones and Diaz? Better than, I don't know, uh, <laughs> better than, like, Chelsea's back line? Better than United's? Better than United's, yeah. Wow, that's Lindelof a... Maguire, come on now. That's spicy, that. What, what is, we should probably say is, is that Sam is a closet Burnley fan. Caveat. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what though? That's not entirely untrue. I do love Burnley. Like they are probably my favourite team in the Premier League. I have to say. I love that. I really love that. Um, um. I mean, they won three two against Villa yesterday. Goals from me, McNeil, and Wood cancel out goals from Watkins and Grealish against a really good Villa team as well. Like that's a really good result huge. for them. Absolutely huge result that is. Yeah. Um, especially Villa soaring with confidence at the minute you saw how Watkins played Grealish um, they were yeah really linking up well and then you know you've got Nick Pope in goal obviously I reckon he replaces Jordan Pickford in no time at all yeah I mean in terms of the Euros I think he'll be, I, I think it should be him Dean Henderson and I'm not sure who else but the, it should be him or Henderson starting at the Euros for sure Tom Heaton Tom Heaton yeah Tom Heaton's a good shout or uh, the guy at Southampton, Alex McCarthy, he's pretty good as well. He's quite old, though. Yeah, well, I mean, a bit of experience. Joe Hart, just ship him in for the US for one more tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Let's just show shoe in sure. little old Joe. Um, but, I mean, with that win, Burnley goes to 15th and have a game in hand on the teams above them and could go as high as 13th should they win that game. I mean, mm. they're pretty safe now, do you think? Like, I think they're in a pretty good position to stay up this season. Yeah, to say that they were, well, what was it? You know, Christmas, they were you know, just above relegation. Yeah, languishing is a good word. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, just that, that string of really good results. Um, I think Liverpool and Field 1-0, massive. Huge, massive yeah. sort of kickstarted their their season. Um, I mean, I'm so surprised they were like of all the teams to end Liverpool's unbeaten streak at home. We expect like a City or a Tottenham or a, a Chelsea to go and do it, and we then do, Burnley just said that, shit house it and win. Having said that though, yeah, exactly. I mean, but the, then you think about Watford last season. That is true. That is really true. Actually, no um, one expected that. You at just all. sort of think, yeah, and then then that just kind of kickstarts a little bit of a... I mean, obviously Watford didn't stay up, but it just kind of kickstarts a little bit of a run for Burnley now. And they're gaining in confidence. Ashley, Ashley Barnes is finishing nicely. Yeah. Um. You know, you honestly, Ben Mee, Kartakovsky at the back for me are excellent. Ben Mee especially, fantastic captain. 100%, yeah. I mean, there's no, no messing about... I mean, they do sometimes try and play from the back. And some, you know, it's not always brilliant. Um, <laughs> um, but that's going to be said for most teams, you know. And I just feel like they're a really solid centre back pairing. And it would hurt Burnley if James Tarkovsky left for Leicester, as seems to be the plan. Well, not the plan, but Leicester. Leicester. Oof. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Sam. It's funny you should mention that. You mentioned that um, Leicester are looking at him, aren't they? Do you reckon that would happen? Uh, he's got legs. It's interesting. I mean, it's their third attempt in... Is it this window alone? Um, it's... Yeah. He was pretty close to joining West Ham as last summer. He West is Ham now, last summer, actually. wasn't it, as well? Um, the centre-backs are wanted by West Ham, who... Yeah. Um, had offers rejected for the defender. Um, Leicester City and Chelsea have also monitored the situation. Um, but obviously the yeah. Foxes put in, in the requests. 
Um, but Sean Dyche obviously he wants to keep Tarkovsky, and I think he'd be right to do so because I don't think I don't think they could replace him very easily. To be honest, that's like getting rid of company. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he's so essential to their success, and that back line when he's not playing or when Ben Mee's not playing it is it is it's so noticeable it is dropping quality they've made a 30 million pound offer for him Leicester yeah I mean that's kind of reasonable I mean he's getting on a bit isn't he and that's with 18 months left on the contract that's Um, pretty reasonable reasonable but I think I think they'd be foolish to let him go I think especially in this window I think that'd be it for them to be honest yeah. Uh, so let's move on from Burnley and take a look at another fixture. I wanted to take a look at Man United versus Sheffield United from last night as well. We touched on it in the talk about the relegation scrap, how for Sheffield United, that's a huge result, whether they go down or stay up, to go to Old Trafford and nick three points. Uh, goals came in the end from Brian from a corner. Harry Maguire then cancelled out with another corner. And then Oli Burke, former Forest Academy product, Oli Burke, with a late winner for Sheffield United, had to get that in there that he used to play for Forest. Went to Leipzig for like 15 million quid a few years ago. And with that, Sheffield United have eight points and are only three points behind West Brom, a position ahead of them, and only five ahead of Fulham, a five behind Fulham, I should say. Do they have an outside shout of staying up, do you reckon? No. No? Is that is that a concrete no or a mm, no? It's it's a concrete no, I'm afraid. Sorry, Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, it was weird because I was looking at the Sheffield United squad before this. Do you know how many like former Forest players they have in that team? Oh, I'd guess about three or four at least. Yeah, they've got so many. They've got Ollie Burke. They've got Jack Robinson, who used to play for us a few years ago. Ben Osborne, who's obviously was one of our star players a few years ago. David <laughs> McGoldrick, who I think came through at Notts County and played for us for a little bit. It's a, it's quite a lot of, it's like a former, former Forest reunion show at it is. Sheffield United um, at the moment. It's quite wild. A friend of ours would say that Ben Osborne isn't a superstar, but we'll, we'll oh, leave course, that for no, another of time. Of course, yeah. He's, he's riding off the coattails of that goal against Derby a few years ago, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think it's... I don't want to say that they're completely out of the running because I do think, you know, anything can happen and all that kind of... Well, especially after a result like this, really. I mean, could that be... Yeah, I mean, be... you said it about Burnley. It can kickstart a run for them like it did for Liverpool, uh, Burnley against Liverpool. Yeah, I don't think it'd be enough. Um, <laughs> they do but... need... It would be probably the greatest escape, I think, if they managed to get back from this. It would, yeah. I mean, I saw a programme about um, the greatest escapes... Uh, the Premier League the other day actually and um, was Steve McQueen in it? it <laughs> funnily enough no he wasn't um, but uh, <laughs> Sunderland were Sunderland were in it yeah they did it uh, in 13-14 I think they managed to kind of like escape relegation and I think in that run they beat Chelsea at home which was like at the time almost unheard of yeah like yeah, Anfield yeah and it's like Obviously, it's not unheard of for a team like Sheffield United to beat relegation, but I think much like a team like Newcastle or West Brom, the talent deficit compared to the teams above them. I mean, there are teams who could get definitely get sucked into this relegation battle. Crystal Palace, I think really anyone from Crystal Palace below is in it, you know, from 14th to 20th, and that's six, that's seven teams who are in there. That says a lot about this season. I think it's a very unique season in that way because there doesn't seem to be a distinction between home and away fixtures. Yeah, and I think it's definitely going to not... I don't think it's going to take as many points as it has in previous seasons to avoid relegation. Like, normally they say 38 points, but I think it's either going to be a case of needing a lot more than 38 or a lot less than 38 to stay up. I think it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, Anyone can beat anyone, really, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. Do you want to take one more fixture for us to look at? Uh, You can choose either one from the weekend going ahead of us or one from the ones just gone um hmm there's Tottenham Liverpool tonight there's Tottenham Liverpool tonight would be big 
Yeah, do you want to take a look at that? Yeah, that would be... I think Liverpool need to win this more than Tottenham do. Do you reckon? Uh, so I'll just cut back into this one. So the final yeah, game we're going to take a look at is Tottenham versus Liverpool at the new White Hart Lane. It's tonight, as of recording, which could be to, it could be yesterday by the time it comes out. Not sure yet. But nonetheless, for both teams, a huge game. Massive, yeah. Um, I think more so for Liverpool. Um, yeah. Just because they need to get that front three firing again. Um, mm. It's just been really odd. It has, hasn't it? I mean, since beating Crystal Palace 7-0, they've kind of just dropped off a bit. The yeah, draw United, sure. the loss to Burnley. Not sure what it is. Um, maybe it is just a lull in, in form or confidence or... Yeah. I, I don't know. It's interesting because Mane, I think, is definitely suffering from a lack of confidence at the moment. Yeah, I think... I agree. I think it's maybe a combination of that and maybe them just not getting the you know the look of the draw. Having just... You know, they probably deserve to win the game against Burnley. On the balance of things, maybe they deserved against the result against United. Maybe it's well, just it's, a case of them having not had the rubber the green recently. Maybe, yeah. I mean, luck does play a part in it as well, obviously. Um, I mean, yeah, but you think you think about that Burnley game, though, and they were just kind of... There was no real creativity on the ball. It was kind yeah. of just passing it around the 18-yard box and, like, well, somebody somebody put a decent cross in and you might have a chance, maybe. Um, yeah, and it, I think it's it's kind of like... Almost playing one or too many pass, one or too many passes at times, or indeed seventeen. But yes, yes. <laughs> get it in the box. Get it in the net. Um, so a win for either team would take them back into the top four, uh, ahead of West really? Ham. How? Yeah. D- what are we looking at in terms of games? In terms of games, what? In terms of games played, or? Yeah, in terms of games played. Um, what about the teams around them? Do they have a similar sort of games played, or is there? Well, it's funny you should mention that. So, from Chelsea downwards, so from 8th downwards, is pretty universal. None of them are sort of in the scrap at the moment. Tottenham played 18 games, Liverpool 19, and Everton have played 18 as well. All three teams are on 33 points. Sorry, Tottenham and Everton are on 33 points, Liverpool on 34. Struggling to talk a bit here. And a win for either of those three teams in their next game takes them into the top four. West Ham have played 20 on 35 points. They're oh, still in the race. West Ham. West Ham. David Moyes' West Ham are in oh, the mix. Honestly. And those four teams are kind of looking like the most likely to take that fourth Champions League place at the moment. West Ham. <laughs> West, West Ham on a jaunt to Real Madrid next season. Wow. Is on the West cards. Ham's European Knights led by David Moyes. Honestly, I'm for it. I'm all for it. Absolutely. We're blowing bubbles in Madrid. I can't wait. Real Madrid, AC Milan, PSG, they're all going to be there. One one big super group with West Ham in it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't I think Everton are quite, you know, dark horses as well potentially for they top are. four place. At the beginning of the season, they everyone was talking about them as being dark horses for the league. They dropped off a bit after the Merseyside derby and mm. have now bounced back to being in a really good position. I think I agree. I think they're outside shouts for the top 4. In terms of Tottenham and Liverpool, who do you think for this game? Who do you have in terms I of results? I have... Um, do you know what? I think this this could be the game for Liverpool where it takes them back up to the challenging. Um, do you think I, they'll bounce back from this? I do. I do. It's a big occasion, especially at Tottenham Stadium. Yeah. Um, I think they'll they'll bring it tomorrow, to, tonight, I think. Um I mean, it was tight, wasn't it? The last game at Anfield. It took a 90th minute for me to... Yeah. yeah KG And Tottenham have been in interesting form recently. But I I don't really want to put it past them, to be honest. A smash and grab like they did at City, like an early goal from Son and like a sort of end of first half goal from Kane. And then just sitting and defending for the rest of the game. Like... 
I wouldn't put it past them at this point. Yeah, I, I'm true. I mean, if if Liverpool continue that sort of lack of creativity in their form, I think, and Mourinho's team are just happy to sit back with a lead, then it could be quite become quite difficult for them. Yeah, and I think they're going to definitely rely. I mean, obviously, they're going to rely on Salah, Mane, Firmino to break them down. And I think if they struggle as much as they did against United in the FA Cup, as much as they did against Burnley when they lost their unbeaten home record, it could it could be quite ugly, I think, because Tottenham, unlike Burnley, and I would argue unlike Man United, have that form duo of Kane and Son up front. And if yeah. they're firing, it could really get ugly, I think. I think so too. I mean, when does, Bar- when does Gareth Bale play for you? Um... I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't start him in a game against Liverpool today, to be honest. His pace, either starting him or coming off the bench, that pace that he has, even though he's slowed down a bit in his age... He doesn't really effective. A... He hasn't really affected games, though, especially, like, that... Um, was it FA Cup, say? Yeah, that is true. Um, but he is a man for the occasion, isn't he? he and is. he does love a goal against Liverpool, getting them two in the Champions League final a couple of years ago. So it's not out of the realms of possibility that maybe he plays no, and or they are, they are keep, it seems as though they're keeping him in the cotton wool for a big occasion like if, if they if they become in a position into which they can challenge for what is it top top four like later end of the season um, yeah. or indeed we were talking about the title like a few you know a few weeks ago yeah and that's kind of dropped off a bit I certainly don't think it's worth writing them out because of course anything can happen no, and it's only eight points at the moment. But and if you can keep Gareth Bale fit or getting up to a certain level of fitness for a dash at the end of the season, then you know you're going to, aren't you? Yeah, and I think if he, even if it's something as simple as qualifying for the Champions League, and he comes in and scores three or four important goals to get them there, I think he's kind of worth that loan fee. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, anything else you want to add, or are you happy wrapping up there? We've been going for about an hour. I think that's pretty good, you know. I think that's pretty good too. So thank you very much for listening to our pilot episode. Hopefully it goes as well as we feel it has. Uh, Sam, do you want to plug your social medias if people want to follow you? You can if you like. It's not very exciting. Um, But my Twitter handle is uh, at SamWen99. It's all of the latest gossip. It absolutely isn't. um, It's firing off. It's all music stuff mainly, isn't it? And politics. Uh, music and politics. Oh, God, I hate myself. Anyway. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MaxDJGoodwin. It's all in lowercase. Much like Sam, it is the happening place at the moment. And it's exactly where you should be for all the hottest content at the moment. And we'll probably be back, what, in a week, maybe, for the next episode? Yeah, we'll definitely be back, so uh, we shall see you on the next one. Yes, thanks for watching. Catch you later.